Tomorrow, uh, 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock, identical services. Typically, they tend to be the largest attended services of the year. Uh, 4 and 6, take the card. Great opportunity for you to invite somebody to come and be with you uh, here at Walloon. It's going to be a good time. I've been listening to the band. They, it's it's going to be well. You're going to be uh, glad you came. Uh, According to the American Research Group, the average American household this year will spend $992 this Christmas. Does that sound about right? That's up $9 from last year. I find it interesting, though, that on the birthday of Jesus, that's become really a lot about presents and gifts and shopping, uh, that that's what it's become focused on, and yet, whose birthday is it? Who, whose birthday do we celebrate at Christmas? It's, it's Jesus, and at times, he seems to have gotten left in the dust. This morning, we're going to spend the next several minutes. Maybe you're wondering, okay, came to the children's Christmas program when are we getting out of here. Uh, we are scheduled to finish at 10.15. And uh, Lord willing, the pastor planned and uh, prayed, and he'll be able to finish on time. So uh, we'll see about that. We're going to talk for the next several minutes about the purpose and the meaning of Christmas. Purpose and meaning of Christmas, so that perhaps we can enjoy a purpose-driven Christmas this year. A purpose-driven Christmas. One source for the genuine purpose and meaning of Christmas, at least the one we're going to look at today, is the source who actually knew the creator of Christmas. So we're actually going to look at someone who had befriended and knew personally the initiator of Christmas. And no, we're not talking about Santa Claus or reindeer. And we're not talking about the heads of Apple or Amazon or Walmart. Uh, today, we're going to look at the source, uh, and his name is John. So if you have your Bible or on your phone, locate the book of 1 John with me, would you? Uh, 1 John was written by the Apostle John. He also wrote what we call the Gospel of John. And John was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. When Jesus called him and said, hey, John, come follow me, he dropped his nets and followed Jesus. So John's life was totally transformed when he met Jesus Christ. John, in this letter that we call 1 John, tells his readers, tells us today that life is lots more than just working and texting and eating. It, life is so much more than than just YouTubing and sleeping and shopping and all the things that we busy our lives with. We can busy and get scheduled and be frantic and hectic in this world, listen close, and miss the most important and most meaningful thing in life. That's what John's going to talk about here. We're going to, we, if we don't look carefully and purposefully at this Christmas, we're going to miss the real, genuine, living life to the full stuff that John's going to tell us about today. Would you, would you please stand with me if you're able? Uh, we're going to uh, read together out loud uh, how we can establish a purpose-driven Christmas. First John 1, 
We're going to look at verses 1 to 4. Let's read together. Here we go. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for writing down for us the secret of joy. And Lord, thank you that uh, joy is so much better than happiness. Joy is good on the bad days. Joy is good and works when the bottom drops out. Lord, joy is what we're actually all seeking. So thank you. And I pray, Lord, as we dig in, you'll help us to, to get it, what it means to have your joy. Lord, I want to pray for the church family today. For many in the family, this has been a long and a hard and, uh, frankly, a rough week. So I want to pray for some of my friends right now. I want to pray for Larry and Kathy, who've had a a tough week. I want to pray for Bill and Carol. This has been a a really hard week. I want to pray for Jim as he recovers. I want to pray for Karen as she recovers. I thank you for the good news of Melissa, Lord. And uh, I want to pray for the Etheridge family as well, especially Gordy. So, Lord, I know there's those that have come to my mind, but I want to pray especially for those who are hurting, who are struggling right now. I pray that even in this season where everybody is supposed to be merry and cheery, Lord, sometimes it's just not the reality. So thanks for being there in our times of need. Would you rain down your grace and your mercy and your goodness on each who are hurting even right now. Meet us today, Lord. Meet us today in your church. May your word be clear and alive, and we invite your spirit to come and be present and work and speak and nudge and encourage and prompt us, Lord, as we need sometimes a little kick in the pants. Whatever the case might be, Lord, We invite you to come and settle in. You're welcome here in your church today. And all the church family at Wallen Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. First meaning of Christmas is this. Christmas is meant to be boldly historical. Christmas is meant to be boldly historical. Uh, The manger, the cross, the empty tomb, the story of Jesus is not just some fable or some myth. We must never forget that as we celebrate this time of year, it's not just a story. We're celebrating what happened in history. This is actual history that we're talking about here this morning. The second person of the Trinity willingly left the glory and the splendor of heaven 
and he willingly took on a human body. That's what Christmas is all about. And he took on human flesh, and he actually lived here on planet Earth, an historical event. 1 John 1, that's what he's talking about, 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our own eyes, which we've looked at with our own hands and have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. John is proclaiming here. He's actually doing a little more than that, Grandpa Ron. He's shouting here. He's shouting that Jesus left the Father in heaven and took on a human body. It's true. It's authentic. It's historical. Look at verse 1. He's telling us, I am an eyewitness to these events. I heard Jesus with my own ears. I've seen Jesus with my own eyes. I've touched Jesus with my own hands. Do you see that? Verse 1, that's what he's saying. This isn't myth or fable. This is fact. This is true and authentic and historical. John's telling us eternal life has taken on human form. God has taken on human body. God has put on skin and confined himself to flesh and blood, time and history. Eternal life, listen, is found in only one place, he says. It's found in what I've discovered. It's found in Jesus Christ. I have experienced Jesus Christ firsthand. And then he moves on, verse 2, and he's still pretty excited right here. He says, the life appeared. We've seen it. That's Jesus. We're testifying to it. We proclaim to you this eternal life, which was with the Father and now has appeared to us. You understand what, what John's saying? This is significant. This is huge. And the early readers would have understood the implications of this message. They knew John's message was either the greatest hoax in all of history. It's, it's a lie. They, they've, they've manufactured a fraud or this Jesus is real and true and authentic and historical. Factual. Eyewitness accounts. Do you understand? It's either one or the other. It, it's nothing in between where most folks live. It's either the greatest fraud in history or it's true and authentic and historical and we have eyewitness accounts recorded here by John. Here's what Tim Keller, pastor at Redeemer Church in New York City says. If they are lies, they're some of the stupidest lies ever made. I know you're not supposed to say stupid in church, but it's Pastor Tim Keller, so he can say it, okay? Uh, if they're lies, they're some of the stupidest lies ever made. Here's why. These accounts were written down within the lifetime of the people who were there. If you're going to write that 500 people saw Jesus risen from the dead in the Kidron Valley, 1 Corinthians 15, 6, you wouldn't write it down 40 or 50 years later like the Gospels were written. You'd write it down a hundred years later when everyone who lived in the Kidron Valley at that time was dead. You tracking? You don't, you don't write it too quick. If you falsely write 
that 500 people saw Jesus in the Kidron Valley, and lots of people are still living in the Kidron Valley who were there at the time, you're never going to get this religion off the ground. <laughs> but it did get off the ground because they wrote these accounts and they were never contradicted. You tracking? <laughs> they were written down and they were authenticated. And other eyewitnesses stepped up. The point of Christmas is that Jesus Christ really lived. You understand? Jesus really lived in history. He really did these things. He really said these things. He was seen and heard and touched by these people. Christmas is boldly historical. And you need to get that in your brain. It's not just some nice story that gives you warm fuzzies this time of year. No, this is history that's been boldly put down in print. But John's not finished yet. Verses 1 and 2, Christmas is boldly historical. Verses 3 and 4, Christmas is an invitation to know Jesus Christ personally. Christmas is an invite to actually know Jesus personally. What are you talking about? Verse 3. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. The Apostle John is speaking here for himself and for the other apostles. Tracking? Okay? The other eyewitnesses who saw and heard and touched Jesus. They touched him personally. They touched him directly. They spoke to him and he spoke back. Okay? Verse 3. Look what it says. Track with me. What these eyewitnesses have, have experienced is so good, they don't want to keep it to themselves. That's what John's saying. This is the best thing I've ever experienced. This is good stuff. I want you to know what I've come to know. I want you to experience what I have come to experience. And what they've experienced, verse 3, look at it. It's, they've experienced fellowship with the Father and with the Son. They've experienced koinonia is the Greek word with the Father and with the Son. Koinonia means friendship. Koinonia means fellowship. Koinonia means close intimacy with someone. And here's what John is saying. I've come to know the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, in a personal friendship. I've, I've come to know Jesus, and in knowing Jesus, I know the Father, and I've come into a koinonia relationship with God the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, John is over the moon, you allowed to say that still? Uh, over the moon excited and passionate for you and I to know what he's come to know. In other words, he's saying, I've come to know Jesus personally. I'm in a daily growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's the best thing I've ever known. And he's saying here, I don't want to just keep it to myself. I want you to know this Jesus, best thing I've ever discovered, best things I've ever experienced. I want you 
to know this Jesus personally too. He's the creator of life. He's, he's come into my life and now I have a personal relationship with the creator of Christmas. I've experienced it. You understand? I don't want you to miss it, he writes. And he's writing to the early readers and he's writing to us today, church, 2018. I don't want you to miss what I've experienced. Christmas is an invitation by God to each of us. Saying, look what I've done. I've come near to you. You understand? Here's the invitation. I've come and and I'm near to you now and I've taken on human flesh and now you can know me and I can know you. It's an invitation to enter into that relationship. Here's what the invitation says. I sent my son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that y'all should have lived. I sent my son, Jesus Christ, to die the death that you all deserve to die. And now by faith, I invite you to draw near to me. That's what John's talking about here. I want to know you personally, and now you can know me personally through my son, Jesus Christ. That's the invitation to know God the Father, to know God the Son. Verse 4, we're not done yet. Verse 4, and when you come to know the Father and the Son in a personal way, that's where real joy begins. Lasting joy. Joy that's good even on the worst days of your life. Joy that's to the full. Did you know that Christianity is not about rules and regulations? Some people, what is Christianity? Well, it's about preachers and music and worship and, and, and this big auditorium. No, that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity isn't even about angels or demons. Are you ready? Biblical Christianity is about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Biblical Christianity is all about knowing Jesus and have a daily growing relationship with the creator of Christmas, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the one who started it all when he took on human flesh. It's a daily connection with Jesus, okay? The message of Christmas is that with the living historical Jesus available to us, Suddenly now great joy, great peace, great love, great comfort are available to us, even on our worst days. Why? Because Jesus has now come into our lives, and we walk with Him. And more importantly, He walks with us. Now, here's the rub, okay? Here's here's the hard part, okay? Currently in America, about 75% of Americans would say on a survey, yep, I'm a Christian. 75% of people in America say, I'm I'm a Christian. That's down from 85% in 1990, in case you were wondering. Okay? Uh, So three out of of four Americans would say, I believe in Jesus. You speak about, you know, he lived a sinless life, and yeah, he died on a cross, and he died between two thieves and shed his blood, And on the cross, and he laid down uh, dead in a borrowed tomb. And yes, early Sunday morning, he did arise. Yep, I I agree with all that. I'm a Christian, right? 
Here's what James 2 verse 19 says. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You tracking with me? So just to know, yeah, 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 I, I know those facts, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. Uh, even the demons believe that and shudder. The demons know the facts, but that's not enough. I want to take you back to the very first person I ever had the privilege of leading to Christ. And I kept hammering the facts to this young man. And trust me, I was zealous and I was strong and I pounded home the facts of, of Jesus Christ and sinless life and took your place on the cross and shed, your, shed his blood for your sin problem. And do you believe you're a sinner? Yes, I do. And do you believe he took your place in the grave and early? And, and I just kept banging home. And finally he said, Jeff, um, I've believed those since I had my catechism. I, I, I get it, uh, but nothing has changed. What, what you're not understanding, I know those facts and I've believed those facts, but I'm still the same. I don't think it took. I, I, don't, think, I don't think it ever took up residence in my life. So finally, and, and I think the Lord gave me this, I, I took out my wallet. And I finally grabbed a bill, um, and, and I held up this bill. Chase, you up for this? Come on up here with me just for a moment. Yeah, Chase, this is Chase Overbeek, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you look right this way? So I, I, I said, uh, what do we got here? Uh, this, this is a bill. It's, it's five. Who's on there? Abe's on there. He's looking good today, right? Uh, and I finally said, do you believe this is real money? He said, yep, I believe that. And, and I said to him, we'll just say his name was Chase. Chase, um, do you believe that I'd like to give this $5 bill to you? Do you believe that? Yeah, okay, good. That's good. We, we didn't rehearse this, could you tell? Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, and then I said, um, so in order for me to actually give this $5 bill to you, um, what's going to have to happen? You're going to have to take it. That's true. So as long as it's in my hands, it's still mine, right? But in order for it to become yours, what are you going to have to do? Okay? And I invited Chase back in the day. I said, why don't you take it? And I said, and it's yours. And that's exactly what has to happen with Jesus. Thanks, Chase. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Merry, <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> you earned it. <laughs> you earned it. why I got changed for a 20 this morning from my wife. <laughs> I'm going to lose it, so. <laughs> uh, do, do you understand? The missing part for most Americans isn't the facts, the belief. It's the reaching out and receiving and inviting Jesus to take charge of your life, to be king, to be boss, to be Lord, to be master. In other words, you have to invite him in. Jesus, somebody said, is a gentleman. He never kicks down the door. He waits to be invited in. In other words, you have to receive him into your life by faith. 1 Corinthians 15 one says it well. The gospel 
is to be received. The good news of Jesus must be received. Jesus is historical, y'all. My Tennessee roots are coming out this morning, sorry. Uh, it's historical. You've got to have facts. You've got to believe the historical facts. Yes, of course. But the next step is then you must receive Jesus into your life by faith. Christmas is all about the greatest gift ever offered in history. Got it? Greatest gift ever offered in history is Jesus. And believing and then receiving him into our lives and enjoying a personal relationship with the creator and the savior of the cosmos. That's the real meaning of Christmas. And if you'll believe and receive Jesus into your life, that's where a purpose-driven Christmas begins. It's with Jesus. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Thank you, Lord, for willingly leaving the glory and the splendor of heaven to come and take on human form. Lord, you lived the life that we should have lived, and you willingly died the death that we should have died. And you did that to offer us eternal life through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So as we close, the statistics say that 75% of Americans would say, yep, I'm a Christian. And if you're in church today, I would say probably the percentage of us is even much higher than that. Yes, I believe the facts. But perhaps the more important question is, have you gone beyond the facts and actually reached out and received Jesus into your life and experienced this koinonia relationship that that John is over the moon excited about. Have you ever recognized it's not just enough to, to believe some nice facts, but have you actually received him by faith? Open the door of your life and say, Jesus, I welcome you in. That's that received verb that's missing so often. How do you know? How, how do you know whether you've ever actually done that. And, and I would say, is there evidence that the creator of Christmas, the, the creator of all of the cosmos has taken up residence in your life? Has there been change, life change? Is there evidence that the Holy Spirit is alive and working in your life? And if you're here today and there's not much evidence, it could be you're just part of that great majority who've believed facts but have never taken that next step to open up your life and receive Jesus as King and Savior and Lord. Never received the greatest gift ever given. So as we close... Let's don't miss that Christmas is boldly historical. It really is. It's based on facts. What are the facts? Jesus, I believe you lived the life I should have lived, sinless, 
Jesus, I believe you took my place on the cross. Jesus, I believe you shed your blood for my greatest problem. I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe you took my place in the tomb. Why? Because you were dead. Jesus, I believe early Sunday morning you didn't stay dead. You arose, defeated sin and Satan and death. You did that for me, Jesus. And here's that second step, critical. And right now, Jesus, I'm going to accept that invitation to know you personally. You understand? Right now, Jesus, I choose by faith to open up the the door to my life. Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to knock the door down. He's going to wait to be invited in. Have you ever invited Jesus to come into your life and take charge and rule and reign and be Savior and King? John says it's, it's the best thing that ever happened to him. That's why he's so excited here. I agree with John. It's the best thing I've ever experienced. To know Jesus personally, to have a daily growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's when joy and peace and love and comfort start flowing in your life. And right where you're seated today, you can receive the greatest gift ever offered. Jesus, I open up my life. I want to say yes. Would you please come into my life? I receive you. I choose to enter into a koinonia relationship with you today. Excited to begin a daily friendship, a daily walk with you. Start the journey with you. That's what brings meaning to life. That's what brings purpose to life. It's the best part of life. Lord, I pray that any here today that uh, have not made that choice today, would you nudge them? Would you prompt them to open up the door to their life and say, yes, Jesus, I believe, and Jesus, I receive you into my life. Work powerfully. We love you. Thanks for your book. Thanks for your spirit. Thanks 